0: You're listening to WCT.FM Talk Radio like no other.
1: And welcome to the Supernatural Realm on the WCET.FM radio network. And welcome back to another great Tuesday edition right here on the Supernatural Realm. Chip A. You there? Tim A.
2: Oh, you are right, brother. (laughs) Boy, we are celebrating today. And I'll tell you something, and I say this all the time here on this uh, show, how uh, the great Tim Roxbury has this gift for finding the most wonderful guest I can finally affirm that personally today uh, because this is someone that I have had on my own show, shameless plug, Kindness Beyond the Veil, which uh, is right here on this uh, very network, Mondays and Wednesdays from 7 to 9 p.m., Kindness Beyond the Veil. Uh, the, our guest today is wonderful, beautiful, really helping to heal the world. Uh, maybe perhaps a teaspoon is the time, as they say, or actually, as she says, because I stole her words a thief that i am (laughs) but the wonderful dr Lori nadell is with us today and that is phenomenal you know i i've always been in awe of her uh dr laurie nadell a journalist for the first 20 years of her career and a few stories about that dr Lori nadell is a specialist in acute stress trauma and anxiety issues uh she is considered a thought leader in the emerging field of acute stress and ptsd god bless her uh, from trauma to addictions through workshops lectures and one-on-one sessions her focus is helping people find new ways to heal she's really been doing a brilliant job uh, personally as someone who knows her i'm so proud of her and and now and this is a new thing and very exciting and we've got some other new and exciting news on her behalf but dr lori now offers soul collage, which is a hands on creative journey that unlocks your intuition. And this did digital age of instant solutions and technotherapy, mm-hmm. you know, the old what I want when I want it, Dr. Lori believes there's no substitute for human to human dialogue. And I think we concur with that, Timmy.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, if you need help, please get in touch with her and her website is Lori Nadell. Lori is L A U R I E. Nadell is N-A-D-E-L. It's Uh And her latest book, which I have read twice personally, is one of the most brilliant books I have ever read, especially wow. when it comes to healing traumas and, and really having a, a kind of a not so on your face, you know, mild and beautiful way of approaching this. You know, it's not scary. It's not all labely. And, uh, uh, there are five gifts in this book uh, that that speak to my soul. I, I think that uh, everybody that I've ever known personally that has been through uh, really tremendous trauma. And, you know, I mean, it can be little trauma, big trauma. Trauma is trauma, you know, mm-hmm. and she makes that point. But uh, we're so proud to have her with us today and uh, a lot to discover with the wonderful Dr. Lori Nadell, Timmy.
1: Hey, hi Laurie. Welcome to the show.
3: Hey, how are you? Thank you so much for having me as your guest.
1: You're welcome. How did this yeah. How did this journey begin for you?
3: Uh, well, I, I, it's, it's an interesting question. I mean, the, the combination, I guess, of uh, of journalism and working with people who have been uh, have whose lives have been really devastated by events that we think of as the hard news events or breaking news events. Um, It actually started uh, for me when I was a a field reporter in Chile in the uh, 1970s. Uh, I was working for Newsweek and United Press International in the uh, Chilean capital during a state of siege. And uh, there was a lot of repression. And most of the English-speaking journalists had left uh, the country uh, after the military coup. And uh, I, I, I was uh, one of the few who kind of wandered into the country. A few months later, I immediately was put to work. I was bilingual, and along the way, somebody informed on me to uh one of the military and said there was a nosy reporter from newsweek asking questions about how many people had disappeared since the military came in so um i had to go into hiding and i was able to escape the country and um as a result of that uh about a year or two later i I developed what was really diagnosed as a classic case of uh post-traumatic stress disorder where I would wake up, you know, if there was a sound in the street, I would, I would roll under the bed and not realize that I was like under the bed um, in a fetal position. Cause I thought the truck sound was a machine gun. Um, and as a result of that, you know, as I, as I worked in newsrooms for 20 years and then decided to change careers, it seemed appropriate that uh, I would be drawn to helping people whose lives were affected by what we think of as uh, catastrophic events or traumatic events or, unfortunately, in many cases, uh, these are major news events. And so that's how the healing journey began.
1: Wow. Yeah, that had to be very scary for you to be in a situation like that where you don't know... What's going on, you know, you, every sound you hear is frightening, you don't know if you're going to survive, you don't know if you're going to make it. that That's PTSD in itself, I would think.
3: Well, just, it's just, its interesting because, you know, while I was there, I, I think that the wonderful thing uh, that some cultures, some communities have is they develop a great sense of humor. To, to try to counteract the, the state of terror mm-hmm. that you're living with most of the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there, there's the kind of cushions, the uh, collective shock that everyone, you know, people start to say, I can't believe, um, I can't believe that I'm hearing this or I can't believe that, you know, I have to be home by 9 p.m. or I'll get shot. I mean, your whole reality turns inside out. But it did help to prepare me for events like September 11th when um, one of my uh, clients looked out the window uh, in Little Italy in New York, and she saw tanks rolling down the street on September 12th or 13th. And the shock of that actually gave her a heart attack, and she died. Just the sight of seeing a truck, a camouflage truck, rolling down her civilian street. Mm -hmm. Um, In the same way, after Hurricane Sandy, in my community, we had, uh, well, there was a curfew, I think it was nine o'clock. Nine o'clock curfew, and uh, we had national guard and police uh, manning the drawbridges to the island, the barrier island where I lived, and uh, they had uh, soldiers and troops with machine guns um, standing on the boardwalk in front of people's buildings. And so, even though we don't live in a state of siege, you know, we don't live under military rule. We we have been under moments of national emergency. And, and those can be pretty terrifying to witness and experience um and and, and they happen in this country whenever there's an emergency a, a climate emergency, for example mm-hmm. um, that's what happens
1: mm-hmm. It almost seems like one traumatic event in your life prepares you for something else, and then that one prepares you for something else. It just keeps going and you know one, one thing prepares you for another. Well, it it
3: can it can prepare you. Um, I guess in a I guess I call it a resilient way, mm-hmm. where you know that you know when, if something like this happens again, you'll be you, you know you have the wherewithal, you have the spiritual strength, you have the social support, you have the the, the beliefs that are going to help you to stay strong, and and help other people and, and draw people together and get through it, um, you know individually or or, or collectively, and. Um, and so that's that would be a healthy um, takeaway from that event, but it also you know leaves you physically with something called hypervigilance, and hypervigilance is uh, is a type of anxiety where you're you're always your nervous system is always on kind of a hair trigger alert because you're expecting another horrible or explosive event to happen at any time. Now, hypervigilance, it comes and goes, you know, it it can wear off and uh, you can never, you, know, you might never experience it again, or it could come back years later over something seemingly unrelated. Mm-hmm. And um, suddenly you can feel as though you, you're, your survival is somehow threatened and you have to kind of look around the corner to try to anticipate any kind of future threats that might be coming down the line. And it, it usually is not based on a real threat it's just your body perceives it as a threat and it feels the same to you internally and physically as if there were tanks rolling down the street Mm -hmm. so it's something that alters you it alters your physiology it alters your brain chemistry and it kind of like all of our emotions are stored as molecules in the limbic system which is the emotional brain and when something happens we can we can Uh, be reminded, uh, the brain can be reminded, when in the past did I see something like that or hear or smell something like that? And then the archive with that that particular molecular chain, that chemistry of that emotion gets released. And so we're experiencing not only the horror of the present moment, but also the the body gets to re-experience that cascade of molecules from the original incident or series of incidents so um it's it's complicated but i think that we're all um you know looking at the statistics lately the last uh, two years have seen a huge i think it's it's over 70% increase in anxiety issues which include trauma and by 2025 which is 6 years from now um it's projected that 200 million americans will experience mental health impact or effects from climate change events alone, and that also points to uh, a public health epidemic of PTSD among wow. civilians that's not being addressed.
1: Wow, that's similar. What well, you were talking about, similar to your uh, fight or flight mechanism in your brain, correct?
3: Right. Okay. Yes. Uh, well, there is that. You know, sometimes you're you're in a state of uh, you know, kind of you're you're focused on um, eradicating any threats but you can also be paralyzed and kind of like a deer in the headlight so it's it's kind of it's, it's an extreme form of fight or flight is kind of what happens when when you're really dealing with uh, you know not just life-altering events but survival situations in which there, is, there are um, actual threats or actual losses of life, sometimes on a, on a massive scale, like with a, with a tsunami or with, a, I know, a natural catastrophe of some kind or a bombing, um, you know, what we call an intentional disaster or a mass shooting. Um, any one of these can be uh, horrifying and can cause us to either freeze up like a deer in the headlines, or or head the headlights, or else to to kind of um crouch into a warrior position and um try to try to get ourselves ready for uh, kind of slashing our way through the jungle like uh, indiana jones
1: mm-hmm. we We were talking with a hypnotherapist last week on a show, and she was saying, well we were talking about you know the need for more alternative um healing other than the medications and the um, uh, psychiatric sessions that that you that the patients do every week or every other week with a psychiatrist and there needs to be more natural ways of of dealing with this because there's just so much of it and the medications aren't working and they just keep over medicating us you know and you know then the, the market keeps growing and and there just seems to be no end to it
3: um, I would agree that in, and i think uh, i I know many doctors and professionals agree that uh, psychiatric medicines are over prescribed in fact mm-hmm. it's a to me it's a nightmare that they get advertised on television <laughs> uh, I remember once i i I went in to see my doctor with uh you know it was actually some kind of a of a bacterial infection. And he looked at me with such weariness and he said, got out his prescription pad, he said, okay, what do you want? And I said, please, I want you to be the doctor. You tell me what I'm supposed to take, please, because I'm not here to do your job. And then I, and then I looked at him and I said, do people come in here asking you for drugs that they saw on TV? And he just nodded his head. He said, all the time. And he was just weary from it. He was exhausted from it. No, I mean, it's not, you know, medication is not like ordering pizza and we're being conditioned by the advertising industry and the big pharma advertising industry to, um, you know, jot down the name of the purple pill and go tell your doctor to prescribe it for you. And it's becoming, uh, you know, it's almost like it's it's considered um, like an over-the-counter consumer activity. Like going to CVS and buying toothpaste, and I think that that's awful. That you know that our that our collective you know our collective consciousness, if you will, that's that's impacted by media, is being impacted in such a way that millions of people are influenced to believe that it's they're entitled to tell their doctor that they need um, any kind of medication, but especially mind altering medications. I mean, it's it's shocking. Yeah. Um, I studied homeopathy for a year. I have a diploma, postdoc diploma in clinical homeopathy, to find targeted um, medicines that are safe, natural, and effective that can be used for different types of anxiety triggers. Mm. And uh, I have found in the last few years that uh, people who want some kind of or need some kind of a natural um, uh, adjunct to whatever complementary therapies they're doing, whether it's hypnotherapy or whether it's emotional freedom technique or whether it's um, you know talk therapy or prayer or whatever, whatever people may be doing, even herbal supplements, that homeopathic medicines for anxiety have been around for hundreds of years. And they're targeted uh, towards specific things like heights, looking down from a height, Height, looking up at a height, um, you know, cats, dogs before a storm, after a storm, uh, grief, different kinds of grief uh, remedies, uh, different types of insomnia have specific homeopathic medicines. And, um, and these can help people to get that extra little chemical boost that they need or molecular boost that they need uh, with, with, without having to take heavy pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. So um I'm I'm a big believer that uh you know the 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 adding homeopathy to whatever your personal you know, kind of uh, medicine chest is uh, or healing chest is uh I think it is a very powerful modality that works with anything else that you might be doing. Um, and, and it can also work with medication. I mean, it's not an either or. But if you're looking for an alternative to pharmaceuticals, um, I, I really strongly believe that homeopathy is many times is, is the missing piece.
2: Right. Kip, yep. you got a question for? Oh, oh, I I got a couple of questions, of course. You know, it's Dr. Laurie Nadell after all. <laughs> <laughs> Someone oh, very close to my heart, by the way. Um, all right. First, first question is: I, I wanted to ask you about PTSD. It's kind of like a common question that I ask here, but it, you know I don't get to ask you uh, that question here enough. Um, you know, back back in the '70s when you were a journalist, they might have called your condition shell shock. I don't know what they might have classified it as, but it wasn't PTSD in the '70s. And and I do have an issue with the the D and PTSD, and post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, it's like, you are now a disorder, you know, you're, the thing that you would expect people that suffered severe trauma to go through is a disorder now, which means (laughs) it's your fault, and everybody around you is going to distance themselves from you, and shame on you for having that, you know.
3: Exactly, so I mean, I call it the diagnose and adios factor, it's like, we going to put a label on you and then we're going to send you packing and maybe we'll give you some pills, mm-hmm. but you know, you have this illness or you have this condition and it means that there's something, you know, clinically wrong with you. When in fact, and, and the Red Cross tells this to people, um, I work on a debriefing team with uh, first responders, firefighters. Thank you. Uh, and we tell people all the time, you know, you're a normal person having normal reactions to what was a, a critical or horrifying or somehow or other out of the normal situation. And, you know, even if you're a professional and uh, you're out in the field every day dealing with life and death, uh, these experiences, these life and death, you know, moment by moment events uh, can be disturbing. And that's not because you're weak or because you have a disorder. It's because you're a normal person and, and you're having normal reactions which includes being emotionally affected. Mm-hmm. So I think of PTSD really as, you know, the, as you said, the D is kind of the the clinical way of kind of saying diagnose and adios. This is what you have. Now leave my office. Come back mm-hmm. in six months yeah, you know, right. if you feel like it, and yeah. uh, we'll give you some more medication. Right, um, yeah.
2: And here's your self-fulfilling prophecy for the rest right. of your life. Yeah. Good, good luck with that. You know?
3: right. <laughs>
1: right, right.
3: Wow. Yeah, so... Um, I think, you know, there's something called post-traumatic growth, which I I do kind of talk about in in the five gifts. But I think that that any, um, you know, any any life changing or life altering event um, can eventually with healing lead to spiritual growth and understanding. And it's not, you know, when you're dealing with a, you know, a life shattering event or you even even a, a near miss, you know, in, in a car can be you know, a precipitous event can trigger, um, you know, feelings of mortality and and, uh, you know, realizing that you just had like a very close shave can bring on the same physiological response as um, actually being in a, um, a a directly dangerous situation. Mm-hmm. Or um, escaping, for example, escaping a house fire in California during the uh, wildfire season or, um, you know, uh, witnessing uh, you know, witnessing something where uh, there was loss of life. And um, the body responds to it in certain ways that, um, you know, cause a, we, can, we can have uh, headaches, we can shake, we can lose our appetite.
2: Well, we can, all, all sorts of can, different. Uh, and, and never one you expect it either. Right, or. Exactly. or uh, some uh, flashbacks, if you will, which I think are best described by, by your own description. When you heard a truck pass by and it sounded like right. a machine gun, and you didn't even realize you were under the bed in a fetal position uh, un, until you know uh, a, a wee bit after that passed. Or nightmares. Or or yeah, the the phantom aches and pains that come along with this thing that that you know really throw people off their game when they're already off their game. It's a very layered instrument. And to put a D at the end of it, you know, and call it a disorder and, and uh, you know, send you off uh, is n- is not healing people, you know. Well, I've worked with schizophrenics, you know, um, and I saw the road that they were up against
0: right,
2: you know, with an effect. not in my backyard. I don't want these people in my backyard. They're going to shoot up schools and they're less inclined to do that, you know, right. than, than so-called normal people are. Right. So, yeah. Right. It, it brings back a lot of triggers in, in me, too. And speaking of triggers, I wanted to talk because uh, something that you brushed over, I wanted to bring up because uh, I've been dealing with it for a while. Uh, sense of humor <laughs> as a defense mechanism is big for me. You know, and I have a very right. ironic and dry sense of humor. So in my 22 years as a chronic pain patient, you know, when you joke around with these doctors, <laughs> That doesn't go to help your case too much. <laughs> Learn that the hard way, you know, but a defense mechanism is a defense mechanism, you right. know. And uh, I wanted to talk to you about defense mechanisms and brush over that before my third and wildest question. It's just because I, I think a lot of people, a lot of people in the general public may not be f- familiar with defense mechanisms, you know. I don't know if they do psych one-on-one in schools, you know, and even if they do, you know, you have to memorize theories throughout the whole course, but defense mechanisms are an important thing to talk about. I
3: believe. Uh, yes. Could you, can you fill me, fill it in a little bit more? So
2: with, what, can, with uh, my belief of defense mechanism, well, look, some people uh, instead of facing something they don't want to face, get creative. You know, they write poetry or they write music that, that was considered, I think, the most adult of the defense mechanisms, but often happens in, in kids, you know, who, are, who uh, use creativity as a way to escape, you know, their, their issues. Uh, dissociating might be one, uh, becoming apathetic, you know, uh, sense of humor, you know, things that we use to avoid these issues. That something like your book, The Five Gifts, which I will happily shamelessly plug, uh, the subtitle oh, is Discovering it. Hope. Healing and strength when disaster strikes. And the five gifts is available on lauriedendell.com and, of course, Amazon, too. And I'm sure, like every bookstore and library in the world. Uh, but, it, oh. but to, you know, look, I've read it twice. It, it should be, if it's not already, the go to book for anybody who's just uh, come away from something like a hurricane or a school shooting or you know uh, uh something that has been so unsettling for you and you and you find that the people in your realm that you speak to uh don't really get what they yeah, are
1: get it going Dad, through
2: it. yeah the five gifts uh lauren adele phd that is the book to get i'm just saying that right now just to help all of our listeners who, who may feel that they have some sort of post-traumatic stress or anxiety disorder or have have suffered a trauma that, that still recurs, even if it happened, you know, 20, 30 years ago, uh, that's the book to get.
3: Well, thank uh, you. Thank you very much. It's, it's true. I, um, I I think, you know, in, in listening to, you were talking about, you know, ways of escape, and I, I kind of, Like to channel that, if you will, into kind of two categories. There's what we call resilience, which used to be considered a kind of abnormal reaction, which is the (laughs) ability to synthesize the experience. what What we say clinically is to metabolize it. In other words, for the for the psyche to digest it, to break down something that is is beyond horrifying. To break down something that is overwhelming, and uh, that you, you your mind literally cannot digest it all at once that that process of, of metabolizing the event so that you can come to terms with it, um, you know there are healthy ways of doing that, and creativity I have found is probably the most powerful modality mm. for for healing, not just trauma but for um, illnesses for um, you know, healing broken hearts uh, for moving forward, for finding a new door, a new pathway, a new direction uh, to be able to, to see what happened to you or to me as, as something that led to um, an, a new level of growth. Um, where you look back and you say, you know, I wish I'd never had to go through that and I would never wish it on anybody else. But if I hadn't gone through that loss or that experience, I wouldn't be who I am today and look at all the things that I've learned and look at all the amazing people I've met and, um, you know, look at who I've become because of that event. So it kind of, it was a springboard into this this state that catalyzed a whole new um, a whole new process of growth. But then there are the other ways of, you're talking about escaping, uh, like, you know, numbing out with food or drugs or sugar or alcohol. Uh, there, There's dissociation. Uh, there's, um, you know, depression to the point where you cannot function. Uh, one of my uh, mentors, Dr. Tom Demaria, who was the, the the executive director of the World Trade Center program, where I worked for several years, um, he he said that uh, after a traumatic loss or a traumatic event that getting up every day and putting on your shoes is a badge of honor.
2: Mm, and it, is.
3: it, it's it, hard it can to do. be so hard to just tell yourself, you know, I, I wish I didn't have to wake up, um, I, I, but I'm going to get up and I'm going to put my shoes on and I'm going to take my kid to school. And I'm going to make breakfast and I'm going to come back and um okay i've got 30 phone calls to make and they're all going to involve people who are going to be argumentative or i'm going to get lied to or i'm going to be you know i'm going to be switched around from voicemail a to voicemail b to voicemail c and it's going to be very frustrating and all i have to do today is make one call i'm just going to make one call and it it's how you you walk yourself through the step by step survival mm-hmm. that is also Um, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a way of escaping from despair and, and helplessness. Mm. And it's a way, um, in a way I wouldn't say it's a way of escaping, but it's a way of deferring that, that the, the, the feeling that you're just going to collapse and fall apart because what happened to you or what you just witnessed, um, is, is just beyond, um, overwhelming. Yeah. You just you can't even begin to take it in. And, uh, you know, the, these kinds of feelings also come up around the first anniversary of an event. Oh,
2: sometimes it, yeah, every, right.
3: Every anniversary yeah. of an event can trigger. It's ironic because we forget production. wedding
2: anniversaries, but uh, our bodies remember the anniversary.
3: That's right. Yeah.
2: Yeah, right. You know, and 23 years for me now, you know, since my accident that set me off and, and you know. Uh, pain. And there are still times, and that's why, you know, I want to kind of return to it for a second, not officially my third question, Timmy. but sorry. Okay. The, something that you talked about, because it still affects me from time to time. You know, and I like to think I'm pretty strong. I like to think that I'm a lot of these things. You know, I still have ways to go. Uh, but uh, there are times that just bring me to a place where I feel my will broken or breaking. You know, so I have a very heartfelt and empathic concern for any listeners who find themselves in that place, you know, and it's not just right after this thing happens. It could be years from now. You just never know. Like you said, this is your quote, you know, when people tell you to snap out of it, you should, you know, uh, there's no snapping out of it. It takes as long as it takes, you know, and you have to forgive yourself that. And allow others to deal with it however they will you're not going to change anybody else's mind but it's about you if it's you that is in this place uh but I, i i will say before deferring to you about being in this place where your will is breaking even if it's years later uh i will say to you with all honesty that if i had a copy of your five gifts when i reached that place where i just don't want to get out of bed what's the point of getting out of bed what's it going to do other than break you down a little further, right. you know, because I know people do get there from time to time, no matter how strong they are. You know, read the five gifts, you know, because it's calm. It's a uh, kind of mesmerizing. It's sweet oh, and it's you. very forgiving, you know, so you don't have to look at yourself and say, shame on me, shame on me, shame <laughs> on me for being here because that only feeds it. You know, this kind of helps you find, very gentle ways out of that. Um, But, you know, for anybody listening who might be in that place that even I get to from time to time you know, happy guy that I am, you know, where I just feel my will is breaking. Any advice for them? Kind of a general Um, thing, but, you know, you know what I mean.
3: Well, you know, it's funny, as I say, the, the first gift is humility. And humility is the gift that, St- that helps us to to stop being ashamed of ourselves and to stop feeling that like we're a failure because um you know we we've been emotionally flattened whether we get reflattened 20 years after the event or whether uh, we we're going through a period of uh numbness and and uh and desolation because that is part of the natural healing process that is part of grieving And uh, we in this culture seem to feel that if you're not happy in the sense of being upbeat and laughing and seeking pleasure all the time, that there's something wrong with us when in fact being able to feel deep sorrow is appropriate and, and healthy and a normal part of life. Mm -hmm. When we're dealing with these huge events, which can come back with anniversaries and and can trigger the same, as I said, cascade of of, of physical Mm -hmm. responses and and chemical memories. Um, So then we we talk about the second gift. Well, the first gift helps us to stop saying, oh, God, why me? Why did it have to be me? Because, with humility we, we we again, we step into that ocean of suffering, which is part of the universal stream of life, and we realize that you know, as the Buddha said, the first noble truth is that to be human is to suffer. He didn't say to be human is to suffer every minute of every day all the time yes. <laughs> you know? but but suffering is part of the journey, loss is part of the journey and and having your heart broken. Is part of the journey of of being able to live fully. It's not fun, and and nobody nobody that like wow. I can't wait to have my heart broken. But on the other hand, if we look at uh, the great you know the the great literature and music and art uh, in in all of Western civilization, going back centuries, you know it it is it is about the experience of having the human heart breaking open so that we can uh, we can feel we can be sensitized to feel on a much greater level even even the even the sorrowful parts of life So humility connects us to the universality of suffering. So we don't say, why does it have to be me? It just says, hey, you know, had it happened to somebody? it happened to me? And um, it it really feels terrible. And I I wish I didn't have to get up tomorrow morning and face this again. But um, I'm not the first person in the world, and I won't be the last person in the world to go through this type of pain. And somehow connecting through that ocean of compassion helps to mute that that dead feeling that you're talking about or the loss of will. The second gift is patience, and I don't, you know, we live in a very impatient culture. Uh, I think there was one study that Microsoft did or Google did that showed that um, millions of people who were surveyed around the world got impatient if it took more than two seconds to download something
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what i want when i want it world exactly
3: mm-hmm. you know and we want it now and we want it yesterday And what's wrong with you that you didn't know what i wanted without asking <laughs> yeah. so we have a lot of you know entitlement um, assumptions or expectations and when when the ground gets like ripped out from under us and we find that we can't just like like you know will ourselves into that state of of, of uh, perkiness. That uh, that we're used to, and we may even fall off the optimism horse and say, you know what, life is. You know, if if this is part of life, then life is really miserable, and what's the point? I mean, we we can get to that point of despair and flatness, but patience is the gift that lets us move through that and not get stuck in um, anger or self pity um, and 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 it can help us to realize that if we still get triggered or we get upset years from now um, and we, or we see a flashpoint or we smell something that reminds us of of that particular event or that particular person that with patience with ourselves and with others um, that will help us to relieve it will help to relieve a lot of the pain and and sorrow that we experience uh, during a state of emergency or right after a traumatic loss. And so those two gifts are so important and we can, we can absorb them and learn from other cultures where people have had to deal with long periods of adversity that we in this, in this country, in the United States, we've been very gifted and blessed and, and protected from, say, having a war on our turf, um, having a, uh, like an open war I'm not talking about um, you know the kind of the the the, um, the the non-verbal wars or the verbal wars that are going on you know or escalating you know at the moment. But I'm talking about actual you know like like armed conflict in the traditional sense of the word that goes on for years, or famine, for example, or um, Um, you know, a a volcano, at least, you know, not the whole country has, not certain parts of the country have suffered from massive events like volcanoes or or tsunamis that, you know, where where hundreds of thousands of people are killed, you know, within a matter of minutes, we've been spared those. And so um, we tend to think that anything that happens, we should be able to just kind of brush it off quickly. Snap out of it. Yeah. Step out of it. What's yeah. wrong with you? Get over experience? it. What's Not wrong
1: anything? with you? Yeah.
3: Yeah. After a few months, very often people who've been through a catastrophic event will hear from loved ones, or hear from friends or colleagues, you know, that coworkers will say, "What's wrong with you? Why aren't you over it by now?" <laughs> right. Six, six months. Yeah, and they they're know? doing
2: it lovingly, but without right. realizing that uh, you know.
3: Right. It's so there these that people, us. you know, I I offer the gift of patience. You know, to be patient with our friends who don't understand, which is true, but people who haven't been through something like this really don't usually get it. And they, they don't know what it's like to have your life turned inside out and upside down suddenly. Yeah. And so they, they may they may come across as pressuring us to change or they may be judgmental or we may feel that we're being shamed or that we're being criticized in some way. And uh, what we really are craving I think is acceptance and with with the gift of patience we're able to accept ourselves even though we're broken and we can accept our friends even though they're they're critical and they don't understand us and those people who want to fix us because uh, they don't like seeing us hurt uh, those people also uh, can be offered the gift of patience and we can ask them to be patient with us Because sometimes we have to ask for patience because it doesn't come naturally to us as Americans. And I say, you know, in the book, I write about how I really hit a writing block. I hit the wall when it was time to write the patience chapter. And I just, I mean, I stared at that screen for two weeks and then I realized... Of course, I'm the most impatient person in the world. <laughs> you know, I'm like a like a, such an unlikely person to be writing anything about patience, and and it, that gift forced me to go. It's like a mirror that forced me to kind of look at my own impatience. Right.
2: Doctor, heal myself,
3: right? It, it's a hard sell in America to say yeah. patience with ourselves yeah. and and with other people,
2: especially in America.
3: Yeah. Yeah, especially in this culture. Yeah.
2: Do you think it's common
1: for people who Suffer from depression to to be always the comedian
3: of the of the group. Um, I'm I'm sorry I I didn't hear that. When
1: when when somebody has depression or they have a they're suffering from PTSD, do you think it's common for them to be the comedian in the group or the jokester of of you know the group of people that they're around?
3: Well, the, you know, there there is a kind of you know, uh, we'll call it war humor or gallows humor. Right. Uh, sometimes you know, combat humor. Um, you know, people. Um, you know, I I have a a colleague who's a she's a coroner for the medical examiner's office. Um, she has an extraordinary sense of humor, mm-hmm. with, without losing respect for mm-hmm. the type of work that she does. But in order to cope. With things that are really quite horrifying, including if your if your reality because of the work you do or the the environment you live in, where you're being you know you're literally stepping over dead bodies on your way to work, or um, you know you're seeing your whole life literally going up in flames. Uh, humor can be uh, a great softening tool mm-hmm. to to take away the the really harsh edges of pain. And yes, people who do have uh, PTSD. Uh, very often go into the, um, the kind of, uh, you know, they go into the military, they go into police work, they go into emergency room work, you know, they become humanitarian workers, um, and and they, they bring to that work a certain sense of humor that they developed uh, usually in childhood to deal with whatever it is they, they had to uh, work their way through uh,
2: oh, as they God. were growing up got them in that field in the first place. Yeah, I've got a couple of friends who are homicide detectives. They're hilarious. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they are hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted to, I, oh, here's my weird question, and then I'm going to throw it back to me. Uh, but it deals with the third gifts, which we were just about to get to anyway. So, uh, But I'm going to approach it in a weird way, you know, because it is chip here. Uh, uh, but look, in the metaphysical industry. There is a lot of talk about how our our planet and our solar system is going about its normal rotation in the galaxy, but it's bringing us into a much higher energy field. So we're going to get bombarded with solar particles that aren't from this sun, you know, and we're just going to get a lot of irradiated energy around. And it, it kind of, at least from a metaphysical perspective, it seems that It has made people just generally in life feel more. That's perhaps why they're walking around in such confusion or sense of alarm or going from one fight or flight response to the next, you know, whether it's a text (laughs) before breakfast or, you know, I mean, whatever the case may be. But it seems like people are just feeling more. So that brings out a lot of people who are outing themselves as empaths now, if you will. And because the third gift is empathy, my odd question is um, if people are just more feeling in general, all right, which kind of brings to them a sense of alarm, not just for their own life, but because they start feeling the emotions of others or feeling the energy of others or feeling the energy of the the news media, you know, uh, crying at movies more than they would. (laughs) Uh, things of that nature. Uh, And I'm going to lump this in with your new program, uh, The Soul Collage, where you're uh, taking people on a hands-on creative journey that unlocks their intuition. And there's a thin line kind of between intuition and empathy sometimes. And that's kind of where I want to address that and bring in the fact that in your book to five gifts, empathy is the third gift. Uh, Is there a way... Let's say you have come across somebody who's been empathic uh, before they had this trauma and now this trauma allows them not only to suffer their own uh, new misaligned world, but also take on the pain of others. Um, Is there a way to to get people to embrace their intuition, uh, but uh, dull their empathy, their level of empathy or empathic feeling? that
3: make sense yeah that's, that's a that's a complex question and um Does firstly <laughs> i i um, you know that the, the term empath is has, has gotten a, a kind of a, it's got a little bit of uh new age panache a little bit to
2: it. yeah like aura but, yeah um, yeah I get you
3: know it's, it's a little bit of a of a, a kind of a tagline <laughs> now um uh, the fact is i i I don't know that there are any more uh, quote unquote empaths uh, than there than there were before. I think that you know just we we spoke about this, I think once before, that you know thirty, forty years ago, uh, there was no new age section of the bookstore. and so people who were psychic or children who were psychic or naturally intuitive, Um, had to deal with being shunned and being shamed and being there was a there still is to a large degree prejudice against people who and children who naturally prefer their intuition and you can throw you know kind of empathy in there as well Mm -hmm. Um, you know one of the great you know um, I kind of the great ways to be condescending and put someone down in the business world is to call them uh, Mm touchy-feely because God knows you wouldn't want to be feeling anything when you go to work.
2: Right, um, yeah. Not in the sales industry, anyway.
3: Right. If you want and to not, be successful. You know, any corporate culture, I think. You know, banking, true. media. Yeah, uh, true. I, I think that uh, I was probably considered uh, too sensitive um, in, in many uh, little mm. pockets of my journalism career, although it was never said to me, rarely was it said to me directly. Right. However, having said that... Um, to kind of go into the the actual you know, kind of the the spectrum of empathy, it is uh, possible, and in fact, it, it it's actually part of if if you are an authentic or genuine empath, then I really believe that that, and I've spoken to hundreds of professionals over the years in the psychic professions and the intuitive professions, medium shamans, healers of many different cultures, um, so-called empaths, ghost hunters, and everybody says the same thing uh, who does this professionally. The most important thing they ever learn is how to turn it off. Mm -hmm. If you don't learn how to turn it off, this is going to overwhelm your Mm -hmm. life. It is going to control you. It is not going to be a gift. And you're not going to make any points by walking around, um, you know, being unable to function because right. you feel the pain of other people. I mean, that's not the goal of being empathic. You know, mm. there, there is, a, I, I have developed a, a term for a couple of terms for, um, I think, the work that, that I do and the people uh, whom I, who are, are in similar fields to me. Um, I, I think of us as compassion activists. Or I think of <laughs> as, as uh, empathy warriors, like first yeah. responders and paramedics and soldiers and and and, and police officers. People who go right. in there, and, and they're very intuitive,
2: and, and they right. they knock it down sometimes too. But they're some of the most intuitive people on the planet.
3: Yes. Exactly, because intuition is connected to their survival. Mm-hmm. So there, you know, that there, there, there's a there's a that I, I think the importance is is to be to have empathy. And still be able to walk in the world and function. Um, th- there's such a thing as as too much of anything. Um, you know, too much of anything can be debilitating. Right. Uh, you know, too much uh, passion can uh, be debilitating, Uh, you know, too much depression, obviously. I mean, a certain amount of depression, if your uh, beloved pet dies or you lose someone close to you, um, depression is going to be part of the emotional field that you have to move through in order to come to acceptance and growth. So um, too much of anything, though, uh, can cause you to lose the ability to make decisions in the interest of your own survival and to become um, apathetic or to become um, too afraid to uh, venture forth, whether it's psychologically or physically, because you're so overwhelmed by all the feelings of others. If you're taking in the feelings of others to such a degree, then you need to learn how to turn it off. Mm-hmm. And when people find me, very often I'll, I get several calls um, you know, over the course of a few months, from people who are uh, wounded, literally wounded, by their own um, empathic or spiritual abilities that have kind of taken over their life to the point where they they cannot really make the best interests and thrive professionally or personally in their lives. It it, it has just become a drain. And I say to each person, as it was said to me, When I first started to open up and have these uh, open up to the spiritual realm, if you will, or the supernatural realm, uh, the best advice I ever received from one of my first teachers was, you have to turn it off now. Mm -hmm. You have to tell it to go away. You have to imagine that it, 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 you know, picture that it's a, it's a spigot, it's a faucet with water running out of it, and you're going to turn the water off. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to learn how to make it stop. Then you can turn it on when you're ready to turn it on or spirit will turn it back on when you're ready, when you're able to handle it, when you're able to handle that extra uh, bandwidth, if you will, of data and information. Because it's a huge responsibility, whether you're connecting with other people empathically or whether you consider yourself a professional, psychic or intuitive, you have to control the bandwidth. You have to modulate it. If it is controlling you, if it has taken over your life, then you need to get help from somebody, please. You need professional help and guidance from somebody who has been through this who is able to teach you how to turn it off so mm-hmm. that it doesn't completely take over your life to the point where you can, you can no longer um, you know, walk a healthy path for yourself in this incarnation. Mm-hmm. And I cannot say it any any more um, emphatically than that Um, it's important for us i think as i said to have um, you know there's such a thing as intellectual empathy Mm. and you know empathy uh, intellectual empathy is a rational skill that i used to teach in business classes it's the ability to think something through from another person's position but when I'm talking about the gift of empathy, I'm really talking in a way not just about the emotion of compassion or feeling other people's feelings, but the ability to see that somebody else has needs because their life has just gone off the rails or because they've just uh, witnessed something horrific, where they've just had a they've had a sudden terrible loss, and to be able to ask that person, "What do you need?" Right. What do you need?
2: There's healing I mean, in it, that.
3: Yeah. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. It's just that simple. The gift of empathy is to be able to see that somebody else has needs, that you might be able to offer something to help this person in this moment of need by asking the power question, which is, what do you need?
1: Yeah. Right. What if, what if you come across somebody who is naturally an empath or naturally intuitive, but they got afraid of it or they don't completely understand it? Maybe a young teenager... Or, or a young adult that uses and they use christianity to kind of tone it down or block it out how do you communicate with somebody that does that or or ends up using christianity more so than than recognizing their gifts
3: well i you know people who go into that path whether they're whether they're self selecting or whether you know somebody kind of brings them into that path mm-hmm. um you know it's just like people who who um you know go to prison and find jesus or mm-hmm. uh, they're um you know they 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 develop a, a personal experience of a divine power through you know some kind of addiction recovery program uh, you know it if if it if it helps them um and and again If that's another tool to turn it off for now, Mm -hmm. there's nothing that says it's going to be turned off forever. If somebody was a teenager or a young adult and they came to me personally for some kind of uh, therapeutic guidance, um, I would tell them to turn it off as Mm -hmm. well. So I think that any modality that helps somebody, especially a young person, to shut it down for now Mm -hmm. Because you know what? It comes from spirit. And when spirit decides that you're ready for it and you're a grown-up, it will come back. And when it comes back, you have the right to say, I'm still not ready for it. I still you know, want to turn it off. Or you'll be open to accepting this gift and learning how to uh, use it and let it help you in your daily life. But young people who get overwhelmed by it, the best thing that they can do is just turn it off for now. It'll and focus on developing a grounded life where you're able to earn a living, doing something productive that you enjoy. Where you're able to enjoy a stable, loving relationships and friendships, um, where you literally find your ground and are able to to build a foundation in your life in in the third dimension in your human body. And um, very often, when people you know get overwhelmed by this. They start spending too much time in the other world, or spending too much time, as Jung would say, in their inner world, or hanging out with spirits, or hanging out with uh, non-physical intelligences, if you will, or playing around with um, playing around with things like paranormal phenomena or uh, telepathy. And if you're not grounded, you know it's like playing with electricity. You know, if you're not grounded, it, you know it can light a house or it can electrocute you. And you know when these things, these uh, gifts start to open up when people are young, very often they come on very suddenly, and they, they you you need to really make sure that that your life is grounded before you begin to experiment or explore them, yeah. uh, because it, it can they can just um, they can really cause you to lose your way. Mm.
2: They can, that, and once you've opened that gate, you know, you can always, it will always be open,
3: Exactly. you know,
2: but all good things in time, especially yeah, when exactly. it becomes burdensome.
1: Because I have, I have a loved one, a little niece like that, and she's even distanced herself from me, because I know she has a gift, and I have uh, abilities as well, and maybe that's part of the reason why she's distancing, distancing herself from me, because she wants to shut it off for a while. Does that sound accurate?
3: Uh, well, you said, I, I heard you up to distancing yourself, and then I, I'm sorry I didn't hear the rest of your sentence.
1: My niece has distanced herself from me because I have the abilities, and she has abilities probably more than I do. And she's gotten into uh, the Bible a lot since, you know, over the last couple of years. And do you think that's why there's distance there between her and I? Because she doesn't want to deal with those abilities right now? or shut them off for a while?
3: Well, you know, it's probably not conscious. I would imagine that she's, uh, you know, looking for safe ground. Mm-hmm. And uh, if she's a young person, you know, we don't, you know, we don't live in communities, uh, for example, um, in in other cultures and in indigenous cultures, or, um, you know, even say, you know, 150 years ago, Uh, Somebody had these, a young person had these abilities, um, you would be taken to the wise grandmother or the aunt or the medicine man or, you know, somebody in the extended family or community who had the gifts and and who was kind of the the wise person or the leader, uh, the spiritual leader in the community or the herbalist in the community. And they would begin to tutor that person uh we don't live in in a tribal or kind of a small uh you know we we don't live in those kinds of small communities where we have uh you know a a shaman or an elder we may have somebody in in our family um who you know also has as uh, similar gifts or patterns but it's you know it's not it's not generally acknowledged and nurtured uh with within a uh, kind of communal setting um, in you know we don't have the traditions of the ancestors in in, in 21st century western civilization um, you know we, we're very disconnected from previous generations or ancestors in spirit Um, or the spiritual traditions that have been passed on by oral tradition and a lot of psychic or spiritual phenomena or these gifts as you call them whether it's the ability to have precognitive dreams or to do spiritual healing or to see ghosts or whatever it might be, uh, we don't have a safe community uh, 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 structure for that which is why people go in different directions they may try to go towards uh, the Bible or they may go towards a, um, some kind of almost a fundamentalist religion that's going to um, basically serve as a, as a valve for shutting it down for yeah. the time being. Um, or they may go in the other direction. I've seen many, many, many people over the years where they suddenly jump off the diving board into the deep end of, of new age thinking. And uh, they go into completely the other direction um, which is, uh, as far as I'm concerned, like living you know living in fairyland. I mean, where they, there's there's no such thing as uh, logic or any kind of fact or any kind of uh, foundation or um, you know all doctors are evil and science mm-hmm. doesn't exist. and uh, the world is exactly because of how you think and um, you know, that kind of magical thinking and, and, and illusion. So, you know, It can go in either direction. Um, I I don't think it's different for each person. I think that the goal is to be able to experience what this gift has to bring to your life, but in a way that, as I said, that that allows you to embrace uh, a healthy relationship with work, with money, with your health, with other people, and with life itself. And if, if it's pulling you away from healthy interactions with life itself, then it doesn't matter which door you open. Um, Eventually the extremism is probably going to spit you back out into the, into the realm of being a seeker, because I don't think that extremism over time or fundamentalism works for people once they've begun to open up sooner or later, they're going to find themselves, you know, back in the, in the reservoir of the unconscious trying to figure out what's really going on because it's these experiences do transform us into explorers and seekers.
1: So, so you can't shut it off for so long, then? Is that what you're ultimately saying? Chip? Yeah. You there? I think maybe I'm, we I'm here. Can I, lose I, I, I think maybe we lost her because it was. <laughs> no, she's there. Yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah, I hope that didn't kind of go too far afield. But no, that's fine. I think that, um, you know, a lot of, uh, we don't really have the, you know, people will will kind of gravitate towards, you know, webinar heroes and, uh, you know, uh, gurus, if you will, or they'll go to, um, you know, new age centers or workshops, or they'll uh, start to study the Kabbal or Kabbalah or Christian uh, Christian mysticism or Sufism. Um, and some of these paths may take them into to more kind of rigid structures. Um, you know, Christianity, for example, they may find themselves in a place where the people who they're studying with will try to shut it down, right. say, this is not Christian, you know, you shouldn't be having these experiences. I've actually, um, in one of my, my my talks at a convention that was in the Bible Belt, Uh, One of the people in the audience accused me of preaching the work of the devil because I was speaking about my book, Sixth Sense,
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
3: you know, and, and then you go to California and people in California say, "Hey man, do you believe in telepathy with extraterrestrials?" <laughs> and that's their got sick thin. And then you know you go on the East Coast, and people would call up and call you know call call in radio, and they would say, um, "I want to, I want you to tell me what to do because I had a dream that I and my uncle Harry was a gambler, and he came to me in the dream, and he told me to bet on the third horse in the fourth race, and I did, and the horse lost." And so, how can I tell my real intuition from false intuition? Mm -hmm. And so, on the East Coast, it's very pragmatic. Mm -hmm. And in the Bible Belt, it's the work of the devil. And on the West Coast, you know, they're flying around with extraterrestrials. And, you know, they look at it from a completely different part of the room.
1: Yeah. I was listening to the scanner a couple weeks ago. And there was a caller called in. And she said, God told her that someone was breaking into her house.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Wow,
1: <laughs> which was kind wow. of funny,
2: but yeah. yeah. Really you nice d- of God to do that. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs>
1: so, you guys ready to take a break?
2: Sure, buddy. Then we'll, show, man. We'll yeah. take your
1: questions, Chip, and then maybe you know we'll get some callers. The number is seven two four six zero two two eight two six. That's seven two four six zero two. 2826. You are listening to the Supernatural Realm with our guest Lorian and We'll be right back right after this.
0: You're listening to WCT.fm talk radio like no other. Right. But a talking gecko. Why? I'll tell you why, because people
1: trust advertising icons. Some bloke tells you to go to gecko.com and you're like, really? And just do might you be? But a gecko, he can be trusted. I ask if you want to save hundreds on car insurance, and you're like, yes, thank you. Mind babysitting my kids? And I'm like, of course I'll sit with the kids.
0: You're like a brother to me. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Thanks for watching a video from the best of GEICO. To vote for your favorite ad and enter
1: for a chance to appear in an upcoming GEICO commercial, just click over there.
0: Where do I click
2: again? Right over
0: In the Midlands is for the people by the people. No shady backroom deals here. We expose the truth no matter who it leads to. We are an independent media who holds no one above the truth and have no alliances and no agenda. However, we do ask that you donate and we also offer subscriptions to help support our work and keep LNM on the air. We are not mainstream media that is owned and controlled by the New World Order. We are not alternative media that has been infiltrated with paid agents in wild fantasy. No, no. We are a free-thinking, free-speaking, tell-it-like-it-is independent media that just happens to cover everything but not fall for anything. The best guest, the best information, late night in the Midlands. Independent media exposing the truth one show at a time. At Armstrong, we're proud of the great customer service we provide. Our hard work has been nationally recognized. Armstrong has received the 2012 Best Customer Service Award for service excellence among independent cable operators. From our blue booties to our 24-7 support, our customer service sets us apart from other providers.
1: That's the Armstrong experience.
0: Armstrong, one wire, infinite possibilities.
2: Mondays from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Kindness Beyond the Veil. Even in the darkest realms and mysteries, good things happen. Kind, even loving things. In the paranormal, psychic world, extraterrestrials, mystical healing, lightworkers, starseeds, things that have astounded us since the beginning of time do have a Monday side to them. And we'll show you on Kindness Beyond the Veil. Every Monday, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with your host, Chip Reichenthal. Leading into Michael Vera's Late Night in the Midlands show at 9 Eastern, making Mondays worthy of looking forward to.
3: Right here on WCETFM because that's where the action is. 704 602 2826. 704 oh, six, oh, two, 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 six, seven, oh, 704. Oh,
2: What is the supernatural realm exactly? Why do people have paranormal or mystical experiences? Is there some science behind it they're not looking at? Why do some people have negative encounters and others don't? What are the best methods to use and is there some real truth to them? We'll ask these questions on the hit radio show, Supernatural Realm with Tim Roxbury, Tuesdays and Thursdays from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with your co-host, Chip Reikenthal. Supernatural Realm, Tuesdays and Thursdays, 7 to 9 Eastern, leading into Michael Vera's Late Night in the Midlands at 9, right here on WCET-FM, because that's where the action is.
1: And welcome back to the Supernatural Realm on WCET.FM. Chip, are you there, buddy?
2: I am, Timmy. That's good.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. Lori, Lori, are hey. you there?
2: Yeah, yeah I'm the, here. It's the, the call in, Tim. It says, it says 704-724. 724-602-2826. Yeah, right.
3: yeah.
2: 724-628-2826? Yes, that is correct. Uh, 724-602-2826.
1: 602,
3: okay. Wow. I'm just going to tweet it out here. <laughs>
2: awesome Uh, yes our honored guest dr Lori nadell today here on the supernatural realm of course for your monday supernatural realm is live every tuesday and thursday here on wcet.fm from 7 to 9 p.m eastern uh and very proudly so uh dr laurie nadell uh is really Uh, a a wonderful specialist in acute stress, trauma, anxiety issues, considered a thought leader in the emerging fields of acute stress and PTSD, uh, from trauma to addictions through workshops, lectures, one-on-one sessions, and her brand new offering, Soul Collage, which is a hands-on creative journey that unlocks your intuition, and her incredibly wonderful book, The Five Gifts, which really should be, if not already, the go-to book for anyone that has endured trauma, uh, has endured uh, really unmanageable uh, stress or, or PTSD uh, or any anything along those realms. Any, anything in the shade or shadow of those realms, <laughs> uh, The Five Gifts is the book to get. Uh, subtitle is Discovering Hope, Healing and Strength When Disaster Strikes. And you can find all about her at laurienadel.com. Laurie is l a-U-R-I-E. Nadell is N-A-D-E-L. So, Nadell.com for uh, any and all information uh, pertinent to what we're talking about, pertinent to all the wonderful offerings that she has uh, for all of us here. Real honor to have her along today. Uh, and uh, again, we thank you. Um, and back to the five gifts, kind of an unusual question for you. <laughs> of course, that's me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we talked about the first three gifts, which are humility, right. patience, and empathy. You know, uh, humility, which I personally am very proud of. I'm proud of my ability to be humble. Nobody can be uh-huh. humble like me, right? Uh-huh.
0: Uh,
2: I tell you about patience, but we got to go. Uh, let's, so let's get to empathy. <laughs> oh, we talked about that. And boy, I feel you. Okay. Now, uh, to the fourth gift here. And I've got, of course, my unusual question. Because, you know, in my years in mediumship, I mean, it is a supernatural realm, so that's why I'm going there. <laughs> I've dealt with the spirits of suicides before. All right. And I have found, at least personally, that uh, if they really want to go into the light, so to speak, if they're here in earthbound uh, form or situation, they have to forgive themselves. It's not about forgiving others, it's about forgiving themselves ultimately. And I think through trauma, or PTSD, or depression, or anxiety, or stress, or anything that we hold ourselves accountable for, uh, that may be pertinent also. And I just want to say quickly that yes, I've been a loser before, but when I was a loser, I was going to be the best loser of all time, you know. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I was going to be the best loser that anybody ever heard of. That's right. uh, and that's kind of my forgiveness, I, I suppose, you know, in order to, to move forward and into into growth, which we'll get to. But um, is that a fair question? Do you think is it is it harder to forgive ourselves than it is to forgive others? Hard enough as it is to forgive others for whatever things may have transpired in our
3: life. Uh, I think so. I think that. Uh, firstly, I, I I just tell people, forgiveness is uh, f- forgiveness is is not like a light switch. You know, people think that it's a thing. Then you either have it or you don't. But um, I, I like to suggest that if we, um, if we think of it as forgiving, in other words, it's, it, it's, it's a state of being rather than an, an object or a physical thing, then you can step into what it's like to be forgiving uh, fully and completely, and we can be forgiving of ourselves maybe 5% today and 80% tomorrow or 30% where there may be somebody else in our life where we may not forgive the fire or we may not forgive God. Um, but, but we step into the gift of forgiving. We're able to, to kind of step onto a spectrum of allowing ourselves to begin to forgive a little bit at a time. And it doesn't have to be in a straight line, and in that way, we get to begin to experience the gift and and really the miracle of forgiving because as we as we let go of anger and release our anger at ourselves and the shame at not having been able to prevent what happened, uh, we really experience this incredible gift of of forgiving and forgiveness that is probably um, the most powerful. A spiritual gift. Uh, I, I think that we're privileged to ever experience uh, in in this in this particular paranormal or supernatural realm. In this human journey, the forgiveness is really a profound gift that we can receive and give, especially to ourselves after a traumatic loss.
2: So it's a kind of a layered thing, the way the, the right. way you're putting it. We can right. kind of be forgiving of ourselves for our inability to automatically forgive, and it makes it easy right. for ultimate forgiveness. Right. Ah, see, that's why you got to get the book, folks, uh, yeah. The Five Gifts. All right, I, I, I do want to ask you about the, uh, the fifth of the five gifts, uh, because there's so much else. To cover with you, and odds you've had so uh, lots of exciting news to share, which is we're excited for mm-hmm. for you. Uh, you. But the 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 last of the five gifts, you know, humility, patience, empathy, forgiveness, and the fifth one is growth. Um, and here's a wide open question for you: um, Why is growth the the final of the five gifts, if that's even fair to say? Because I think they all. Kind of commingle with each other throughout the process, but why? Why growth is the fifth?
3: Well, you know, again, if we change growth to growing, then um, you know it, it's a process that we're experiencing every moment that we're alive because our cells are reproducing. We're always growing and changing, consciously or 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 unconsciously, naturally and organically. Um, you know, as long as we're alive. Uh, and or spiritually alive maybe in, in another form, uh we will always be growing. But when I talk about the gift of growth that that's what gives us the perspective of being um being able to say again you, you know we 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 look at the events or the events that happened, and we can say, you know i wish I wish I had never had to go through that um I wouldn't wish it on anybody else But if I hadn't gone through that, I would never be who I am today. I would never have learned uh, what I've learned or met the incredible people that I've learned, uh, I've met and and learned with and learned from over the years. So it it gives us the ability to to detach sufficiently from the event so that we're no longer experiencing it or re-experiencing it in every moment. And it gives us that little bit of separation where we're able to become the observer and and look at uh, what the event has, has taught us, what has it given us. And when we're able to perceive that, um, I, I believe that that is the gift of uh, that is the gift of growth.
2: Yeah, kind of uh, going from saying, look at this loser to look at that loser,
3: right? right. So, <laughs> if you will.
2: <laughs> kind of a crass it, way to put it, but, you know, appropriate, I guess. For what we're talking, yeah, it
3: it it opens us up to being able to observe. I think what it does is it shifts us into the position of the observer who has, uh, who's, who is uh, wiser, perhaps, maybe, um, you know, maybe, maybe um, sadder in some ways, uh, wiser in some ways, stronger in some ways, broken in some ways. Um, You know, we're definitely. Uh, We're definitely different than we were before. And as a result of what we've gone through and a result of of who we've become. And it's the gift of growth that gives us that perspective.
2: Yeah, we've been kind of talking about that uh, recently uh, with looking at ourselves as part of all dualities and accepting that, you know, we're going to have some good and some bad. (laughs) We're going to live our life, uh, you know, uh, in living form and in dead form. You know, we're going to, there's some masculine and feminine uh, in each and all of us. and, And we have to embrace the whole, be forgiving of ourselves in order to have that kind of growth where we can just say, yeah, sure, I'm going to do some dumb things. And, you know, there are things that I wish I had done better. But, you know, on the other hand you know look at the bright side of this picture look at look at how how much i've accomplished look at what i've gone through look at how far i've come you know and be kind of forgiving of all those steps
3: right so so in that gift of growth you know as we become the observer all of those gifts kind of come together in a in a kind of it's a synthesis it's like a spiritual synthesis we have the humility of understanding that you know what happened to me I lost my home during hurricane sandy and and during the it was it was during the nightmare that followed that uh one day I was meditating because I was in such despair about the turmoil and chaos that my life was in every single day i mean it was months and months later, and it was. You know, it was constant uh, harassment Mm -hmm. and being lied to and being cheated and yeah, the financial end of
2: this, where you know people aren't going to insure you for certain things, even though you you thought yeah, and you don't think these things out before a hurricane comes along because you really don't have any real reason to exactly
3: exactly nobody nobody knows all the draconian (coughs) fine print. And the the, the vultures that are going to come in to kind of prey on people who have houses filled with toxic mold and debris Mm -hmm. and where you're going to be basically extorted and threatened with liens on your house if you don't give in to the extortion. I mean, it it really gets very nasty. And um, and there's no protection. There's no government protection. You know, you're suddenly it's really like the Wild West. And everybody's out there with a knife in their teeth, trying to, to fend off abusers and liars and vultures and hackers of all kinds. And so I'm, I'm, a conflict of, I'm a conflict phobic person. So from a psychological point of view, my life had turned into a nightmare. I mean, this was like you know, this is like some computer cat game where you you can't get out of the virtual reality that you're in, and there's no relief. And it was in that state when I meditated and got very quiet and asked for guidance that my my inner voice or my guides or my angels uh, whispered these five words to me, and I said humility, patience, empathy, forgiveness, growth these are the five gifts that will help you recover and please write them down and share them with people because they will help you to help other people to recover and heal as well. So um, in that moment uh, it was, it was like this moment of spiritual light that, you know, I had the grace to receive that. And when we get to the, uh, I guess the, the gift of growth, all of these pieces come together seamlessly And in that gift of humility, in that moment, I suddenly realized that the nightmare that I was going through, it wasn't my nightmare. It wasn't that that I was personally, I mean, logically I knew I wasn't being singled out. For this chaos and 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 this this hazing, if you will, this was happening to a million people. A million people had their homes devastated by hurricane sandy and If we look at Hurricane Sandy or Hurricane Katrina, each one of these is is kind of like a microcosm of this horrible hazing uh, of violent bureaucratic financially devastating process that um, that people go through every year when there are climate change events, leaving off the table intentional disasters like terrorist attacks or mass shootings, just looking at the natural and environmental disasters that we're going through increasingly uh, every year as the rate of, of disasters intensifies and climate change and uh, global warming and global freezing and all of these extremes of uh, of weather and changes in the environment are kind of, um, you know, reaching critical mass and escalating. Uh, people, more and more and more people, millions and millions of people will be going through this aftermath. So humility is the gift of understanding that we're all in this together. You know we may be going through it as a frightened individual, but we are part of a, of, of a, a kind of global experience right now, which again is where the gift of empathy kicks in, is understanding that um, you know this this is this is this is a kind of a universal lesson or universal teaching for us uh, for humanity at the moment. How are we going to uh, rescue ourselves as a species yeah. I mean this is really now getting to be critical. That we have these five gifts to help us navigate through uh, the crises that are coming down the road, mm-hmm. and I think that the gift of growth, you know, is it like it takes us into a different season of of healing where we're able to to kind of observe who we were and who we are, and we can definitely feel within ourselves that there's a difference because we, we've learned things, we've experienced things that we would not have come to without the horrible events that led to these teachings.
2: Yeah, and, and it's it's just, you know, so daunting, right? because Because yeah. you didn't put yourself there, you know. Even no. if you moved down there at some point, you know, I mean... Uh, uh, I- well, up there I should say, because <laughs> Diego was New York. You know, I lived in, went to college in Florida. We had a hurricane, you know, about a year before I I got there, and really hadn't had another one for about fifteen years, but you know, three out of the last five years have seen some, you know, at least uh, major threat, which is again a trigger for people who have been through that sort of thing, right. you know, and even uh, you know. Uh, New York, New Jersey area where where Sandy hit, you know, has had some kind of, you know, at least false alarms uh, a few times. But you can't right. anticipate the the insurance people taking advantage or the real right. estate people taking advantage or all these right. other wolves in in sheep's clothing or wolves in wolves clothing that come at you, and it's it's just so daunting because first you see the worst in Mother Nature and it's right. not another worldly thing; it's a worldly thing, and then you see the worst in people. And then they see, you know, and, and, and it makes the people around you worse because they're seeing it too. And it's not something to just be, like, pleasant about. So, well, I mean, you know, there are so many layers to that, you know.
3: Right. And I and I think, you know, we, we, we see the worst and we see the best. Um, you True. know, we, we we see both. Um, you know, I, I saw, you know, tremendous... I mean real pure selflessness that when I think about it now, it just makes me cry you know right right after Sandy and after nine eleven as well i 'm just thinking of the two um most uh powerful i guess uh, events of the biggest magnitude that i have been um, you know that, that i that have been part of my life or part of my journey um, in this lifetime, wow. uh, but we also you know can see people defaulting. To like Lord of the Flies, I mean it can become yeah. uh, very bizarre and tribal and territorial and selfish and um, you know narcissist, and it, and it can be also can be very dangerous. So uh, because people are fighting for resources, so you see both. And yeah, I'm I glad you it, pointed
2: that out.
3: You know, and I think it's the you know the willingness to um, really kind of celebrate, uh, you know, celebrate those moments of Of sheer friendship and selflessness and connection, and you know the the, the time that i I shared water um, i had uh, I had a lot of extra water because six months before the storm, and this was something I wanted to mention that very often uh, the spiritual world. It, it it gets very close to us uh, mm. before, and during, and right after one of these horrendous events. Oh, certainly. And so, uh, six months before Hurricane Sandy, my father, who died in 1989, came to me in a dream and said, "You're going to need to buy more water." because there's going to be an emergency. And then six six weeks later, 4th of July, my favorite uncle came to me in a dream and he said, you know, your dad and I are really upset with you because you don't have enough water. We really wow. need you to pay attention. And so each time, you know, one of them would show up in a dream, I'd go out and I'd get some more water. and um, And then finally, my dad came back before Labor Day and he said, you know, you're really not taking this seriously enough. So the night of the storm, the night of Hurricane Sandy the storm surge destroyed or blew out the sewage treatment pump for the entire barrier island and so when the tide water uh, left when the tide pulled the flood water out to the ocean everything on the island was contaminated mm-hmm. uh, the, you know every, everything in our homes was covered with raw sewage and we weren't allowed to use the water the, you know we were we received you know, word of mouth the grapevine came out and you know what? What little communication we could get. It said, "Don't touch the water. Don't drink the water. Don't don't uh, wash with the water." And because the my my father and my uncle had spoken to me in dreams, um, I was prepared and I was able to share water with people. Because wow. the Red Cross didn't show up for a couple of days, and I still remember this act of of pure selflessness when i i gave my neighbor um a gallon of water and the first thing she did was come back with a cup of tea because she had oh. she, her stove still worked <laughs> and so she, it, it it was really it was such a moment That's of pure generosity that i i still i still get teary when i think about it so oh, you nice. see yeah. those kinds of gifts coming coming and and being exchanged at the same time, as you see, you know some really, you know, kind of vicious behavior, especially on the part of the institutions mm. that are supposed to protect us. <laughs> and that's why I have a chapter on institutional betrayal, which is a layer of mm-hmm. trauma that never gets talked about.
2: That never gets talked about, right? Okay. And you know, I, honestly, I'm a little jealous because my spirits don't, you know. Uh, fill me in on stuff that's coming. <laughs>
3: well, let's hope we never like that. That's all I can say. Yeah, true. Yeah. Well,
2: you know, I I drove down to Staten Island the, the week i I live in Albany, so uh, the week that they let the roads back up, you know, the throughway right. and this and that, which was I think two weeks after uh, the right. hurricane, but at least a week and a half. And it was it was otherworldly driving down yeah. there, and seeing. I mean, you know. I mean, you're driving in on, on the thruway, and instead of seeing, you know, grass and trees, you're seeing trees in a lake. You know, it was just so disconcerting. You know, how about you, Tim? You, you know, your spirits ever fill you in on stuff that's coming?
1: Yeah, I've had uh, dreams of different things that.
2: Oh, you know, rub it in, to... brother.
1: <laughs> Hurricane Sandy, for instance. You know, I you had. Got dreams... hit by that too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Weeks, maybe a couple months before it happened, you know, being the firefighter that I used to be, the experience right. I used to have uh, for 20 years, I, I I would occasionally have dreams of fires. And oh. that night, I was dreaming that this whole city of of houses uh, right off the coast of 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 the, I guess it was the Atlantic Ocean. Was mm-hmm. right. was flooded and all these houses were on fire, and then months later, weeks later, I heard about Hurricane Sandy, and this one town on whether it was Roxbury, New York, or
2: <laughs> one of, what a one town of, for you to visit.
1: One of the other towns nearby that, uh-huh. that actually happened there, and I was like, wow. You know, I told my mom this months before. You know, when I had this dream, and then. Told her that after Hurricane Sandy, seeing seeing this on the news was was pretty surreal to me. Very surreal, yeah. having that experience. So yeah, wow. they I do have those a lot. You know, not a lot, but occasionally uh, I'll have dreams of you know things happening that I find out later that actually did happen. So I don't know if it's like a lucid dream thing or what, but man, it. it freaky sometimes.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess yeah. I have, haven't endured quite the level of, you know, of, uh, crisis or tragedy uh, that compares to that. But I'm still a little jealous that my spirits aren't, you know, letting me know <laughs> when, <laughs> when something's coming, you know. Yeah, I
1: don't know if it's yeah, the experiences of a firefighter I was having.
2: You know, that I've yeah, had, could be but, could very you know, well be. Could be tied in. And and it's all around Sandy too, you know. We didn't really get hit by it that badly. I mean, right. you know, we got we got affected, but nothing like Staten Island or Long Island affected, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean not even close. So not even yeah. the
3: same
2: person. Yeah. Hey, I got a wild one to ask you about, you know, either regarding your work or your book, The Five Gifts, or any of it. And I don't know if I've ever asked you this before. But I I wanted to ask you about grief. You know, you mentioned it, I I think, at the beginning of our broadcast as something that you do uh, work with. uh, You know, the thing that I have about grief, especially as a medium, is that nobody's ever taught how to grieve. There is no set way to do it. You know, there's no cool way or uncool way. There's just no way at all you know and people always have these little micro questions you know did i cry enough did i cry too much you know uh is is a year enough do i just let it go is is t- 11 years too long you know because there is just no set uh standard if standards even appropriate word for for something because i think we might set standards on on post traumatic stress that uh are even though they may not really fit into the mold at least there's some sort of standard for them when you go to you know a PTSD specialist so let's say uh, but no no such thing for grief so I, I just wanted to uh with that in mind ask you about grief and and uh, what you can add to that especially considering there's really no model for it there's no set way to do it we're never taught how to do it or what's appropriate or inappropriate You
3: know, well, again, you know, we we, there are there are models of grief, I guess, in in every religion. And, um, you know, that's that's why there are chaplains in hospitals and hospices and uh, there are grief counselors. But there there is uh, there's no one set way to do it. Uh, Some people, 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 people who are atheists will grieve. And uh, people who have a, a deep spiritual or religious faith will grieve. And, and how they process their loss is, it will be different, but they will go through the five stages of, uh, you know, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance, which are five stages. The five gifts have nothing to do with those stages, but mm-hmm. they kind of coexist with each other. Um mm-hmm. uh, there is really no timetable for PTSD either because it can suddenly come back or it can come up for the first time years after the event where you're not even making the connection between what you're feeling or what you're experiencing and, um, you know, the the event that you witnessed or you survived. Uh, so it it's, it it's an individual. It's a very personal journey. Um, there's no set timetable. The heart heals in its own time and in its own way. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just profoundly important to uh, recognize and, and to have the humility and patience with ourselves and, and to forgive ourselves for experiencing this profound feeling of loss and sorrow after something has happened where we, we've we lost someone or something uh, that, that was fundamental to our sense of well-being or, or love um, in this in this lifetime.
2: Yeah, and it takes as long as it takes, right?
3: Right, exactly. Yeah. And it's uh, not a straight line.
2: It isn't. It isn't. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, there are people that I know that come to terms with it and then sink in like two years later. Oh, I, right. I wanted to ask you a similar question before I turn it to Timmy, who I'm sure wants to ask you something. Go ahead. Uh, About abuse, because I, I, look, I got a lot of friends. I'm one of the few people I know that hasn't endured it, at least in any specific way. But I'm surrounded by people that I love that have endured it and even, you know, and have come to terms with their strength, have found their strength through this, you know, and that strength carries on. But it reminds, similar to my physical pain, it's a battle. Sometimes we win, sometimes we lose. And there are times when those voices come back to these people that I love, you know, that uh, say, you know, you're worthless and, you know, you'll never amount to anything, even though they seemingly have surpassed it. You know, those voices always come back. Um, and and for folks like that, because I, I can't feel in my earnest heart that I can help them as well as you can. Uh, I don't know if you've been abused or not, but it's your specialty. <laughs> you know, uh, I I... I can't say I feel powerless, but I think maybe your advice would be much better than mine on, on how those people can uh, culture those voices, even when they return after years.
3: Um, again, you know, it, it, it it's different for each person. I mean, the, the, you know, the abuse uh, may not, you know, may not involve a, a physical loss or a physical wound but the deep emotional wounds that um, either linger or um, suddenly kind of re-erupt you know years after those uh psychic wounds were inflicted um they're, they're they're complex so the Again, I mean, sometimes people find a way to resolve them on their own because they've done the work before or because they have a foundation of faith or they have good uh, social support from family and loved ones and friends um, or they have uh, work that gives their life meaning and purpose mm-hmm. or they they can channel their creativity. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are all kinds of ways to uh, help process grief. And if I could just for a moment talk about soul collage. Soul collage is a very beautiful process in uh, was developed by a Jungian therapist named uh, Dina Frost who's now in in spirit. And uh, what you do is you, Uh you, you actually create a collage on a five by seven piece of mat board and that instantly puts you into an altered state of consciousness where you're accessing your unconscious and your intuition. And after you create your collage, we take you into kind of like a guided meditation and the images will speak to you. So it's like being in a, in a state of active dreaming. It, it's wow. really quite profound. Mm. Um, it, it's a wonderful way to resolve, um, you know, unresolved issues of trauma, abuse, and grief. It, it, it's really a a, a very... Uh, it's an incredible, magical process because once you, you begin to cut up paper and you hear the sound and the texture of the paper and the visual images and you, you're assembling your own uh, collage of images that speak to you, it, it really puts you into a, a very joyful, relaxed, uh, kind of mindful state of creativity and soulfulness and it does it instantly. You don't have to pray, you don't have to close your eyes and visualize anything. You don't have to meditate for twenty minutes. It just it automatically shifts you into this uh, beautiful mind altered state of pure creativity. And then, as you dialogue with your images, um, it's just mind blowing the deep the deep, profound insight and feeling that comes from your, your the deepest wisdom within your heart. Um, uh, I, I'm giving a retreat, um, uh, on oh. using the soul collage and the five gifts. Um, it will be in Fort Lauderdale, April 5th through 7th. Oh. I'm teaching with the incredibly talented, uh, soul collage facilitator, Catherine Anderson. She is a, wow. the, a, a master facilitator, one of the leading, uh, soul collage teachers in the world. Um, She's originally from South Africa, and she's joining me on this incredible journey. Um, You can find out about it on my website, which is laurienadel.com. Just uh, go down to the Five Gifts page, and you'll see uh, a link uh, to learn about the workshop and register for the workshop uh, April 5th to 7th. It's actually, we're calling it a Five Gifts Soul Collage Retreat for Resilience and Hope. So I hope that... uh, if you're listening, you'll check it out and hopefully we'll be able to join us. Um, so these, you know, these are all amazing. Uh, I don't even call them tools. They're, they're, uh, they're uplifting and insightful kind of uh, pathways, if you will, into your own reservoir of creativity and intuition. So where you can actually access the hidden power of your own healing intelligence. And I think that, you know, when it comes to accelerating your journey through the grief process, Um, Having something magical like soul collage or some kind of a creative practice or your own photography or music or anything, ceramics or gardening, anything that uses your hands. Because as Carl Jung said, sometimes the hands can solve a mystery that the mind has struggled with in vain. Mm -hmm. And it's very important to get that grief out of our heads and out of our hearts and out of our bodies. By, by, and, and when you start to use your hands, your hands will guide you towards the images that when you put them in a new assembly or assemblage, that assemblage will, will allow you to access the wisdom deep within yourself. Um, and it changes the map. It changes the psychological roadmap and, and your inner landscape um, in a very positive way. So I cannot recommend it highly enough.
2: Right? Yeah, April fifth to seventh, Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. I mean, you know,
3: yeah,
2: <laughs> had me yeah. at Fort Lauderdale. Man, but you know, wow, oh, so, yes. Soul Collage please, please and Five Gifts Retreat—that yeah. is so awesome, yeah.
1: Timmy. Hey, Chip, I think you know when you were talking about people who suffer from uh, abuse, whether it be physical, emotional. Or a combination of the both mm-hmm. um, that was pretty prevalent with me growing up um, but when I lost that loved one, mm-hmm. I was able to talk to him and and make a you know uh, to be able to to say I was sorry and for him to 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 be emotional uh, as as he was getting ready to go to hospice. Um mm. to me that was the most breaking moment in my life. I well, never thought
2: forgiveness and growth in that yeah. You know?
1: I never thought I'd be able to do it. I didn't expect I would do it to to become emotional like that. It was just it just hit me all at once and I was just like overwhelmed by what was going on and you know, the fact that I would he was dying, and I was going to lose him in this life, and that was a breaking point for me to accept that forgiveness from him. Yeah, and I've been able to oh, grow since. That's
3: sinful. beautiful. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, that's Timmy, you know. Timmy's a beautiful guy.
1: But I think I think each of us deal with that abuse differently. Mm. Right. Uh, those Absolutely. of us that experience it, and yeah. you know, some some yes. of us, you know are able to deal with it and overcome it, and some of us don't. And I was fortunately able to overcome it and grow from it, so that was pretty, pretty
2: neat. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I I missed out on all that, so, you know, I get (laughs) (laughs) self-destructive. It's a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it, right? But, um, but yeah, and, you you know, it's ironic, because, you know, I was the I was a kid in high school that everybody came to with their problems, and most of their problems dealt with an abusive household, mm-hmm. even though they they knew that I didn't have one. I was kind of the guy to talk to and and plus being slightly removed from it, you know I could offer a different perspective, perhaps you know, but it's not the same thing as uh who we have with us today <laughs> you know, it kind of pales in comparison uh uh the great Lori Adell. Now I wanted to ask you quickly, Lori, and then uh, because I know Timmy probably has uh, more questions for you, but there's something new that uh, that brings you back to the Great Northeast, <laughs> and I just wanted to—I know you know what I'm talking about, so I'm just going to leave it wide open like that, so you can share whatever you would like to uh, about but, what uh, magic is uh, yes, bringing sorry. you back north.
3: Thank you so very much for uh, mentioning that. Uh, I, I actually have a, 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 some, some really some amazing opportunities. Uh, I'm quite honored. Uh, I'll be uh, going to uh, work with a brilliant clinician uh, who, whose work is actually uh, one of the inspirations behind the five gifts. Uh, oh. Her name is Dr. Mona Greenfield. Um, we work with uh, patients who have traumatic brain injury and will be uh, some of the work we'll be doing will be to, to bring soul collage um, into their world and uh, as a tool for healing and also to help them to, you know, they, when, when people have traumatic brain injury, they very often have aphasia or, or loss of speech. And so, being able to to kind of work with the of uh, the the other parts of the brain, the tactile, kinesthetic, visual, you know, uh, visual intelligence, spatial intelligence, um, can really also help them to relearn um, how to speak. It's 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 the different parts of the brain come together in a new way, and it, it it's the um, the applications of creativity in working with traumatic brain injury patients is is just awesome. Um, and there is another program um, where we'll be uh, working in the New York City hospitals uh, in a program that's just getting started um, at the moment. I can't really say any more about it, but it's, uh, again, very, very exciting working with fellow clinicians and uh, um, using soul collage as uh, part of the experience. Wow, so I'm is, very excited turning be uh, up north to be able to, to bring this work into the community.
2: Well, welcome home. I say Thank in you. the same sentence as I'm so sorry.
3: <laughs> yes, <laughs> Thank you.
2: It's, it's not, there's no palm trees, I oh, don't think up here, right. but you know, still. I mean, that that is so exciting, and I know you've mentioned Mona uh, lots of times before. So I'm I'm glad you, you get a chance to work with her. You know, I've had some traumatic brain injury. You know, uh, so maybe I'll I'll be collaging down there with you.
3: Of course, oh, definitely.
2: I was nine years old at the time, but you know, I mean, it's never too late,
3: right?
2: Uh (laughs) And uh, I like to say that so people don't have to say it for me. You know, (laughs) that chip—he sounds like he had some traumatic brain injury when I say "kid" or something.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So so I can say it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, fractured my skull, fell off this high dive, you know, backwards on concrete, thirteen and a half feet below. When three days after my ninth birthday. You know, actually, nice. oh. was kind of comatose for four days. You know, they they told my uh, parents that I was I wasn't going to make it, and I snapped out of it. And then they said, "Wow, it's a miracle!" And they actually charged him a miracle fee for that. Oh my <laughs> so, goodness. yeah, welcome to New York, baby. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, uh, just wanted to share that because you know, I could I could be collaging with you. You know, it's only like three. Oh hours.
3: yeah, please do. All right, oh. please please. Yeah. Definitely, please come and uh, uh, definitely please join us.
2: Yeah, get to see you in person that way, you know.
3: Right. Plus, yes, I get please.
2: to Mona, because you've been talking about Mona Greenfield for a long time, you know. Uh, uh-huh. I mean, I think the first time I ever talked with you, you mentioned her. So, I think that is so cool that you get to do some stuff with her and and, uh, and really make an impact on, on people, you know. I mean, person to person, because I know you really like... You know that human to human touch, and that's a beautiful thing. Yes. All right,
1: Tim. Yes. You know, I had to get that in. Sorry. Oh, that's <laughs> fine. Um. Uh. On on Thursday, we're gonna have Patrick Patrick Cross. Uh, he's a paranormal investigator researcher up in Canada. Uh, he's been featured on some some uh, paranormal films uh, over the years, and. Uh, he's the founder of a, a paranormal group up there so we're going to talk with uh Patrick on Thursday and oh, uh if if you guys are uh in in the area um April 6th is going to be the Butler paranormal conference here in Butler Pennsylvania Oh no kidding uh just You know that's
2: Pittsburgh. the perfect land spot to come away from the you know uh the the Fort Lauderdale retreat okay mm-hmm. <laughs> you can go to Fort Lauderdale yeah. first, and then in Butler, Pennsylvania, they get the the whole round trip, you know.
3: Uh-huh. Yeah, um, very cool. John yeah. Tenney
1: is going to be one of the speak uh, featured uh, speakers there, so it's going to be a good time. No kidding. Wow. Yeah, so.
2: yeah, we were just talking about him last night.
1: Yeah, we're looking forward to that, so I just wanted oh, to get awesome. that out there.
2: Yeah, speaking of Monday nights, shameless plug, you know, uh, Chip Reikenthal's Kindness Beyond the Veil, each and every Monday night. Uh, My guest this coming Monday is Mary Rodwell. She is a UFO researcher. She has uh, done hypnotic regressions for uh, thousands of people who have had contactee and abductee experiences. She works with hybrids. Uh, She works with experiencers, abductees, and contactees of all kinds. She's part of the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial or Extranormal Experiences or Free Foundation. She is their most prolific researcher, and she'll be my guest Monday night, right here on this network, WCTFM, on Kindness Beyond the Veil, Mondays, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, right here. Tim.
1: Yeah. I also want to add uh, Tuesday on uh, March 5th, we'll be talking with Dr. Irene Scott. Uh, we're going to talk yeah. about UFOs and her book, awesome. um, Sacred Corridors. She uh, It's available on Amazon. So we'll be talking to her on the 5th of March. So,
2: Right. Uh, I, um, and uh, don't forget the book, The Five Gifts. Or uh, try, uh, try uh, your luck with Soul Collage. Or in order to reach Lori, Lori Nadell. Uh, for some person-to-person inquiries about your own acute stress or trauma, PTSD, or anything like that. Uh, check out laurienadel.com. <laughs> My mouth ain't working. See, it's that traumatic brain injury from h
1: uh,
2: is L-A-U-R-I-E. Nadel is N-A-D-E-L. laurienadel.com. You can also find her on Amazon and pretty much any bookstore in the world. Uh, Lori, if people want to contact you, any other ways to do that that you recommend? Well,
3: there's a contact on um, You can follow me or direct message me on Twitter at Dr. Laurie. Um Instagram, uh, Laurie Nadel. I don't usually, I don't always follow Instagram. So um, the best way is either through the website or my favorite way would be to please call me at 212-560-2333. That's 212 uh, 560 2333 uh, that is my uh, private voicemail and I promise to return your call uh, there was a very famous study uh, that was done in 1980 called the silent language and they found that only 7% of our message is communicated through words right. 38% is tone of voice and 55% is physiology Breathing, uh, muscle movement, skin tone, facial expressions, and so um, you know, email is fine and texting is fine, <laughs> and the internet is good. But we're really only exchanging seven percent of our message. So um, I'd like to to really receive more of the content of whatever it is you would like to communicate. And uh, so please um, take a moment, and and I would really love it if you would pick up the phone and call me at two one two. 5602333 and uh, let me know your thoughts and how I can help you and I promise I will get back to you. All
2: right, And and uh, based on what you said, watch your tone.
3: <laughs> well, don't watch to your preface tone. That,
2: though. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'll be honest with your tone I guess. Oh, yes. that's beautiful. Hey, Tim.
1: And on that, it's time for us to go. we got to you know, give this server to Michael Vera for late night. Yeah, the night. great
2: Michael Vera is up next. Late night in the midlands right here, especially if you're hearing us live. Uh, Michael the, from 9 uh, o'clock uh, Eastern every weeknight here on WCETFM where the action is. And he is the action. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's time for us to go. Thori, thank you so much for joining us these last uh, two hours. And it was very uh, it was a great time. It was very insightful and very uh, exciting. Thank you so thank much. Thank you
3: so much for having me as your guest. I really appreciated uh, the opportunity to be here with you and to each of you listening. Thank you so much. And
1: I, I will have the, um, the archive available on your on your Skype account as well. I'll have that uploaded here shortly after we get off the show. Yeah, he's good with
2: that. Yeah, that's the magic oh, of Timmy. It's
1: time for us to go. Good night, everybody. God all bless, right. and uh, yep. be sure to tune in Thursday for our uh, Thursday edition. Our special guest, Patrick Cross, will be joining us. i are going to talk awesome. about all things paranormal. Good night, everybody. Good Have a great Good
2: week. night. Take care. Good night. Tuesday right. and Thursdays, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. We love you all. Dr. Laurie. we love you. Love good night,
3: you everybody. Truth. Thank you.
2: Good night.
1: Okay. Thank you, everyone, for joining us, and uh <coughs> hope everybody... Got, you know, got a lot out of the show tonight. Good night, everybody, and uh, be sure to tune in Thursday. As I said, our, our guest is Patrick Cross. Good night.
0: Listening to WCT.FM talk radio like no other.